as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, also on the celeb- celebration side, uh, just to let you know, we had uh, four visitors who actually turned in Connect cards last Sunday. So, I, so that any given week, that means we had more than four, but four of them turned in connection cards. And two people joined our church and three people signed up f- to be discipled. So uh, when you do that, then we pair you up one-on-one with someone who can take you through the Word of God and 16 basic fundamental concepts of the Christian life. And, and then with the idea that you will turn around and disciple someone else. And so we had four more people sign up for Discipleship 2, which is our, uh, our weekly sit-down course. We're doing it on Saturday mornings. It just started only two weeks into it. I mean, you could just start... Now and finish 30 weeks from now, uh, start any time and finish 30 weeks later, but it, it uh, deals with how to study your Bible and family issues, marriage issues, and some other things from the Bible. Uh, last time that we baptized, we had one of the persons who got baptized actually led their brother to the Lord the same day that they got baptized. And praise the Lord for that. We'll, we will baptize again after our man camp, which is the end of September, so October 3rd is our next scheduled uh, baptisms. We have our, our harvest teams of those who are meeting. They're praying for 209 people, at least two families that have been invited to church have actually come. And one person that uh, they previously were praying for is now getting discipled. And today uh, we'll have a free lunch for any of you at, at Cafe Blue. Well, I, I, for up to 50 people, I think is what they've limited us to at Cafe Blue in downtown Blue Springs. So if you are new, if you are visiting, if you are just kind of new to the church or a new member, or you just want to find out about Harvest Baptist Church, then feel free to meet us there right after this service, Main Street, um, downtown Blue Springs. And we're going to try and do that every uh, fifth Sunday, Lord willing, or as something like this. Uh, so, so it's a celebration, and the Lord's Supper is a celebration. You know, I taught 1 Corinthians yesterday in our Bible Institute, and I was reminded once again that with the Corinthians, Paul had to write, because this was a church who was 100% all about celebration and had lost the seriousness of what the Lord's Supper was. So here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives us a series of very practical Bible principles which enable us to do exactly what verse 1 of this chapter says, which is make your conduct match your call. Let your duty match your doctrine. Conform your practice to your position in Christ and your possession in him. And that renewed spiritual awareness then shows up every day of your life. So Paul hits us, I think, here in Ephesians 4 at the end of this chapter with a very uh, interesting and arresting comment. Something to give us balance between the celebration and the seriousness. And so I have chosen this as our Communion Sunday meditation uh, because it fits in with the new series that we just started on the Holy Spirit. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, you know, I want to ask the question, why does Christianity and why does your Christianity lack the power to convert the people that you love the most? 
Why is your spiritual life so shallow? Why is that life-giving stream of the Holy Spirit so parched? Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. See, I think partly we're not living up to the life the Lord has given us because we have such a warped view of our identity and our loyalty, our loyalty and our, our identity. And that warped view of identity and loyalty means, you know what? It seems like today we can make another believer upset and not even care. That's a shame because I think that spiritual insensitivity then offends the Holy Ghost. So this verse summarizes the distinction between a mature Christian and one who is not. It's the difference between a Christian who walks in supernatural power because they have the Holy Ghost as their armor and their ally and one who does not. And so here's my thesis for today's study. You betray your personal understanding of the Bible by what you put first. I'm just saying, it is what you put first, because what you put first tells me exactly where you stand and what your foundation is. And so what empowers spiritual life is really verse 30 alone. Any other obstruction is just symptomatic of this issue in the 30th verse. And so here's my test for you this morning. Is your whole life centered on not grieving the Holy Ghost? Is your whole life centered on not grieving the Holy Spirit of God? Because that is the heart of Christian living. So the first thing I need you to know, this is our first point for study, is that the Holy Spirit is our seal. Watch, verse 30. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So your spirit was redeemed the day you trusted Jesus Christ for eternal life. Because at that moment, the Holy Spirit came into your spirit and you had been dead In transgressions and sins, your spirit was dead until you invited Jesus into your life. And the Holy Spirit resurrected your human spirit so that now you were in contact with God. So the moment you were born again, your spirit was made alive. But what he's talking about here, the day of redemption is actually the day that God has reserved on his calendar for Jesus to come back and to bring you a glorified body just like Jesus rose with from the grave. And that will happen for you either at the rapture of the church, even so come Lord Jesus, or at the resurrection of your body from the grave. So until then, the Spirit seals you For three good reasons that I want you to understand today. First, he seals you for attestation. In other words, the Holy Spirit seals you to attest to the fact that you belong to God. Secondly, he seals you as approbation. In other words, he marks out your life as being appropriated for him. 
He has appropriated your life. You belong to him. I mean, you still have a free will. And we will get into this when we talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. But the reason you're commanded to be filled with this Holy Spirit is because even though you're saved, it's possible to be unfilled. So you've got to be filled. And, 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 and he, he has appropriated you to be filled with him. And third and finally, it is a sealing of preservation, which is most important for us right now because it talks about how the Holy Ghost dwells in you. So you have an invisible agent sealed from the inside. He can't get out. That, that means your salvation is secure. You can never lose your salvation. Now, you can lose your reputation. You can, you can even lose your life. <coughs> you cannot lose your salvation. Because once you're born again, the Bible never uses the word unborn. You can never be unborn once you're born again. But second, this is our second point for study. Not only is the Holy Spirit our seal, but this is number two. The Holy Spirit is also sensitive. The Holy Spirit is sensitive. And you know what? This is a real mystery. I don't, I, you know, I have thought long and hard about how to explain this in some way that could be understood. I think the issue with this is why there are so many cult groups out there. It is because human beings have a hard time accepting what they cannot logically understand. But let me just say this. Because it was necessary for your salvation, the God who cannot leave the heights stooped to the cross. And because it was necessary for your salvation, the God who cannot die suffered for your sins and expired. And finally, the God who cannot be affected by anything outside of himself condescends to be grieved in his spirit by you. I mean, riddle me that. That is the most amazing thing to me. I can't figure it out, but I know it's divine truth. And I feel like I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, not being able to explain it to you like I should. But the Holy Ghost himself is hurt by what we can do. We can hurt God. And to me, that's unbelievable. When we disappoint him, he feels it. But since we are his child, he doesn't react with anger. Instead, he's grieved. Are you troubled about grieving the Holy Spirit? Then we need to use this Lord's Supper this Sunday in order to correct that. So I want you to get, keep, your, keep your finger in Ephesians 4, but also get 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11, Ephesians chapter 4. We've placed the communion table up on the platform this Sunday so that you can see it. But a couple of questions you may have. First, am I welcome? And if you're visiting, you're certainly free. You're free to watch. You're free to listen, touch, pass the elements. You are even free to partake. We don't have a passport system, okay? So there's no, there's no electronic uh, digital device uh, by which we t- check whether or not you are Uh, You know, you should actually partake or not partake. So you're free to partake. uh, But if you choose not to, then we honor your conscience in that respect. And we're just glad to have you here with us uh, for this ordinance on this Sunday. 
But if it is new to you, you may have uh, questions, and some, uh, some of the pastors and I will be up here at the front afterwards uh, to answer any questions, give you any explanation that you need. Some churches observe open communion, meaning anyone who calls themselves a Christian, or maybe even those who are not, can take part in the Lord's Supper uh, or communion or what, mass or whatever they, the term may, they may use for it. Some churches practice closed communion. And that means only their congregation can actually take part. So we're not open, we're not closed, we are close. We practice close communion. And that means if you're, if you're, really, if you're a member in good standing of a church somewhere, we want you to partake with us here because you're not with them today, you're with us. And if it is a church of like faith and practice, like faith meaning, Uh, They preach the gospel. They preach that you have to be born again. So it's an evangelical church, like faith. You you get saved not by your works, not by ceremony, sacrament, or rituals. You are saved by the faith you have put in Christ's finished work. And by that, you are born again in him. And if they teach that, it's a church of like faith. I don't care uh, uh, anything else about it. Okay, I'm not out to make anybody a Baptist. I want people to be Christians. But also, uh, it'd be nice if it were a church of like practice, and that means after you got saved, you confess that and proclaim that to that body of believers by the pastor or one of the deacons or somebody baptizing you, immersing you in water as a, a profession of your faith, and that's like a church of like practice. Uh, so really, the question becomes, am I worthy? And this is a question I want all of us to answer today for the sake of the Holy Spirit's presence in our midst, for the sake of the Holy Spirit's presence with your family, for the sake of the Holy Spirit's presence as you send your kids off to school. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 Paul has to write them and say, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? What are the things specifically that you need to repent of before you observe this Lord's Supper? Let me press pause just for a second, parenthetically, because maybe that word repent is kind of a loaded word. I mean, if you're not not familiar with Bible terms, what does it mean to repent? Well, it means you changed your mind, and because of that, you turned around and you changed direction. So you have to repent of things in order to come clean and really not eat or drink of the Lord's Supper unworthily. If you're saved, you're worthy. But still, even being saved is possible to do it unworthily. So Paul puts the answer right in front of us here in Ephesians 4. Watch, this is our third point for study. There are, first, there are things you must discard. And he lists them right there in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath. I mean, I could, I feel like I could stop at any one of these and take about two hours and talk about it, or maybe take 30 minutes and just be silent. And anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
Those items are what I would call human trash. And they sour your soul and they scold your friends and they spoil your testimony. But most of all, it hurts the Holy Spirit. So second, second, this is our fourth point for study. There are things you must display. Verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. How can you not do that? How can you not display that with your spouse, with your kids, with your church, and with your God? But if you have not, then repent and turn around. Take a moment of private reflection to pray and turn that over to God and, and plead Christ's blood for forgiveness and claim his grace for power to walk in a different direction. Verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11. Paul has to say, now in this that I declare unto you, he's, he is taking this chapter to teach them and tell them how to observe the Lord's Supper. He says, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. I mean, praise the Lord, it wasn't true of every single person in Corinth, but some in that congregation, this was true of them. There were divisions, so please do not let that be true of us. So instead, let's observe this Lord's Supper together to make sure we do it in a way that the Holy Ghost is far from being grieved. He's going to be the giver of the grace that we need to proceed forward with him through the rest of this year and into the next. So as you have set, come in today, um, the deacon should have given you what, uh, what I will call the hourglass. <laughs> this is the hourglass. If you did not get this and you need it or want it, just raise your hand. And uh, some of the deacons who have those will come around. So just keep your hand up so they can see it until they get to you. I, I see a few hands, so we're going to have to have some deacons to uh, get some of these and hand them out. So I'm going to tell you to take and put the big part at the bottom for right now, and that leaves the uh, wafer at the top, and if you would take the top, peel that back, and that will expose this uh, unleavened bread there at the top of your hourglass. So again, if you need one, raise your hand, and they'll be coming by to give one to you. Verse 23, 1 Corinthians 11. Paul says, for I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. So they, they, had, they knew how to partake of the Lord's Supper, but it was 100% celebration and no seriousness. Paul has to call him out on that. But he says, now I'm reminding you of what I've already told you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And this bread pictures Jesus' body broken for us. And yet this is another paradox. This is another conundrum because 
The Bible says very clearly that not one bone of Jesus was broken on the cross. But when Jesus himself takes it, he breaks it to give it to us. It is broken here in this ordinance so that it can be distributed so that we will be united. So I'm going to ask one of our deacons if they would. Uh, I think we got one of our deacons with a microphone who's volunteered to pray. Will you, uh, uh, Rich, will you pray for the, this element as we get ready to partake? Father, Father, I thank you for this remembrance that you've given us today, Lord, of your body that was broken for us, that the redeemed might be made your body, Lord, and that though there be many diversities of individuals, diversities of talents, diversity of race, diversity of socioeconomic background, Lord, that you've made us one body, Lord, that you've made us one family, unified for one cause, which is your glory, Lord. Lord, I pray that uh, if there's any way that, uh, that we're disrupting that unity, Lord, if there's any way that we're grieving the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would bless us with your conviction that we might remember our calling, Lord, to glorify you, that we might walk worthy of the vocation wherein we're called, Lord. I thank you. I pray that we never forget. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just before you partake, let me remind you again why there are two elements and what each one is for, because... When you stop and think about it, since his body was not broken on the cross, um, when you crush this unleavened bread, which Jesus said is his body, now it doesn't physically become his body like some teach, but he did say it was his body. When you crush this, that's what you did. That is what you did to him. He was crushed by your sin. You may never admit it. You may never get saved. You may never believe it, but, but it's what you did. And when Paul says that we do this as a memorial in order, in order to help us remember and show forth his death, this particular element is to recall to your mind, I did that. It was my sins for him, my sins in him on the cross. And if I had been the only sinner on earth, he would have died for me. My sin sent him there. In verse 24, Paul tells us, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I know we won't deserve it, and we can't hardly comprehend it. But we are forever grateful. So take, eat. Now if you'll take the hourglass and put the big part at the top, you'll need to carefully hold it and pull back the top to expose the grape juice inside. And if you have any problem or you need another one, again, just raise your hand. We'll have one of the deacons come and give that to you. In verse 25, Paul says, After the same manner also, he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it. 
so no prescribed time. We happen to take fifth Sundays. But as oft as ye drink it, do it in remembrance of me. So the fruit of the vine, as, as the Bible calls it, pictures the blood of Jesus, not just shed for your sins, but shed for the sins of the world. It was shed for everybody's sins, but you still have a free will. You may not accept that for yourself, but, it, but 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is what cleanses, cleanses us from all sin. No ritual, no ceremony, no sacrament can do that. But if you know the spiritual reality of your sins being cleansed by Christ's blood, you can picture that now by drinking this cup together with us. So I'm going to ask one of our other deacons uh, who has a microphone. Who, who was that? Yeah, go ahead and, and pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for taking it upon yourself to look at us and, and to give your life as a, as a sacrifice, Father. And through the blood, the power of the blood, cleanse us from the unrighteousness that we are. That you looked at your creation and you thought to your creation, I love them so much, to put them, to, to put us forever with you, giving us that uh, ability, Father, through your blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so now before you drink, and thank you, Brian, for praying, the, uh, the thing I want to point out is that the Old Testament says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So the blood is life. So, you, so we crushed his body with our sins. But he didn't stop there. He went so far as to give us his life to live by after saving us. So we're not just delivered from the penalty of sin. We are free to serve him by his own very life. And the Holy Spirit does that for us. So verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show, show the Lord's death till he come. And I know we don't deserve it, cannot hardly comprehend it, but we are forever grateful. So drink ye all of it. Let me give you three reasons that this is so important, what we've done today and what we do every fifth Sunday and why I think the Lord's Supper Sundays are so important for all of us to have together. It is so that you will have the Holy Spirit's power in order to walk until the time we get back together again and remind you once again to take out your human trash and stop souring your soul and stop negatively influencing and affecting others. So why should you not grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Number one, because if you do, you are guilty of insensitivity. You are guilty of being insensitive. I hope that I've made you think about Jesus today because that ought to be incentive enough. Respond to the truth of God about the indwelling Holy Ghost and grieve him not, number two, because if you do, you are then guilty of ingratitude. You are ungrateful. I mean, God the Son agreed to submit himself to God the Father just to accomplish your redemption. And then God the Spirit agreed to submit himself to God the Son in order to come into our life 
and accomplish sanctification. You need to grow in that knowledge if you don't understand these things. You need to sign up before you leave. Sign up in the lobby for discipleship. Let us begin to explain some of these things to you so that you will not be ungrateful and cause him no grief because in the final analysis, number three, if if you do, then you are guilty of ignorance and it's willful ignorance because what is the final reason for your redemption? It is all looking forward to that day When Jesus comes back to claim the body he already owns and you should have been using for him. So the Holy Spirit seals you until that time that Jesus returns to destroy his enemies and judge this world in righteousness. And we as believers in glorified bodies as part of the sons of God, we will rule and we will reign with him. Charles Spurgeon is my favorite preacher. He preached in London in the um, last half of the 1800s. And he's just so balanced. And so anything you can get by Spurgeon is good. But Spurgeon says, search out for the sin that has grieved the spirit. Give it up. Slay that sin on the spot. Repent with tears and sighs. Continue in prayer and never rest satisfied until the Holy Ghost comes back to you. Frequent and earnest ministry, get much with earnest saints. What a perfect prescription for you to take with you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My time is up. I thank you for yours. But here's my fear today. Here's what I'm afraid of. That some of you are not even Christians yet because you've never been born again. And I know in America it's so easy to live here and grow up and say, well, but my parents were this or that denomination. I, must, I was born to them, so I must be born a Christian. But that's not the way this is done. You have to personally and individually be born spiritually. That's what Jesus said, John chapter 3. Yield to the Holy Spirit as he convicts you about that right now. Do not resist him. Do not grieve him. Give in to him. Give in and give up. Turn yourself over to Jesus as Lord. He is calling you. He's offering you free salvation. Because he himself paid the price for you to have it. He himself paid the price for you to be with him for eternity. He paid the price. So you don't have to clean yourself up first. You can come to him just as you are. And to receive that eternal life, all you have to do is pray. I mean, all you have to do to be born again is believe enough to pray and to trust him today with your life. It's not magic and it's not mystic. And since there are no prescribed words, I mean, I can lead you in a simple prayer of faith right now, even while your head is bowed. And just say, dear Lord Jesus, today I'm confronted once again with my sin, my failures, the people I've hurt. My heart's wounded once again by the reminder of those who have hurt me. But today I've seen what it costs to erase all of that sin and remove all of that shame from my life and 
relieve me of all my guilt. So I confess my sins, Lord Jesus. I say the same thing about them as what God does. And I ask you to forgive me by your precious blood. I confess you now as my own Lord and Savior. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. And I know I'm a Christian now because I trust you. And you've promised me this new life in your word. So help me become more and more like you so that I can live for you in this life and I can love you and serve you into eternity. Thank you for shedding your blood and saving me. God, I thank you and I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you not grieve the Holy Spirit in this final moment that we have together? Well, if you prayed like that, you got saved. And I mean, if you really meant that, your heart in contact with God, an exchange of life took place. The Christ for the criminal, you were the criminal. And you exchanged your own sinful, rotten life for his righteous, spotless life. And since that happened, come forward and let us know. After we get done singing and when we're done, I want to give you a copy of my book on next steps that new believers should take. Second, if you've accepted Christ but not yet gone all in by proclaiming your faith in the other ordinance of the church, baptism, then come forward and let us know so we can get get you on the roster to do that October 3rd. And third, if you know that you need to become a member of our church, and maybe you need to come by statement of faith or transfer of membership from another church, then, uh, then you come forward and let us know. And finally, I will say this, get involved with us in ministry right here. You say, Alan, where? What can I do? Well, number one, sign your kids up for Awana. That is our Bible club for kids. It covers all of them, like age three up to sixth grade. Sign them up for that, to be bringing them back for that on Sunday nights. And maybe you want to even help with that, since your kids are in it. Uh, Bring your kids Wednesday nights for our junior choir, so they can be getting their Christmas program ready, that they'll perform for us on December 18th, and then sing some songs for us on the 19th of December. And, And do that. Maybe you want to help with that, or, or, or if not, then okay, be part of the prayer service we have Wednesday nights. Have your boys and men sign up for man camp, and if you're a man, maybe just come out and make it your men's camp to help us out with the kids. This is the last day you can sign up and still get a free teacher. Uh, sign yourself up to help with our nursery and pre-K on Wednesday nights, starting September 15th. Uh, the other stuff you can do online, I think they've got a physical sign-up today out in the lobby. We need eight. We just need eight people that will help nursery and pre-K on Wednesday nights. Go ahead and stand as we get ready to, to sing our way out today. Mark chapter 14, verse 26 says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out. So going to ask Brandon and the praise team, let's sing our way out.